nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. This is Leanne Meyer, and we are on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'd like to welcome you back to the show. This should be a very interesting show today. Um, I wanted to, uh, the title is going to be Advanced Practice. What is it about? And uh, I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, nurses always are indispensable, but they're becoming even more so by continuing toward advanced education and certificates in the wide variety of fields. They are able to extend the reach of doctors in all directions, which will prove to be vital in the changes being planned for healthcare in the future. One thing that makes advanced practice nursing care different from doctors and surgeons is that often they have ongoing and continuing care for their patients, where especially surgeons may only be involved in an episode of the patient's health, but may never see them again. Nurses work closely with the patients, ensuring understanding of diagnosis, options for dealing with their condition, post-care instructions, and continued follow-up for years. Join us for this discussion of pros and cons of advanced practice. Um, so we're going to go right into uh, talking to my my three guests. I have three wonderful guests. And... Um, I ha- I'll just first I'll tell you who they are, and then I'll have them tell you a little bit about themselves. So I have Michelle Nicholas, and she is um, practicing in Pennsylvania. And I have Dr. Antiqua Smart, who is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Dr. Susan Benish, who is practicing in um, South Carolina. So I'll go back. Um, Michelle, could you give us just a brief um, uh, bulleted? points of, of your bio, um, your bio? Sure. Thank you for having us. I um, am a nurse practitioner, board-certified adult critical care nurse practitioner for the past 20 years. I've been a nurse for 27 years, and I currently work at UPMC Susquehanna in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the home of Little League, and I previously had managed a complex adult congenital heart disease patients, arrhythmia patients, heart failure uh, pulmonary hypertension, all all sorts of uh, difficult heart patients, as well as acquired heart disease at Penn State Hershey. And now I have the opportunity to take care of all those same types of patients, but a little more autonomously in the north of Pennsylvania. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, Dr. Antiqua Smart, could you uh, do the same thing? Give us a little bio. Yes, hi, this is Antiqua Smart. I have been a registered nurse for 16 years and an advanced practice registered nurse, family nurse practitioner, for the last 11 years. Currently, I am working at a federally qualified health center uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Essentially, um, I work family practice, so I see from ages maybe five to six years old, uh, up to maybe even 65, or my oldest patient, I think maybe 80 years old. Primary care, essentially uh, wellness visits, um, but also your um, 
some of your acute or episodic uh, illnesses as well, such as influenza, it's been a bad flu season, yes. uh, that kind of thing. So All over the country. It sounds like everybody has had a bad year for that. So, um, Dr. Susan Benish, could you give us a little bit of a bullet of your um, bio? Hi, this is Susan Benish. I became a nurse in 1982, got my first master's degree in 1985 from the University of Oklahoma. Um, been a lifelong nurse, started out in the ER and ICU, uh, segued into uh, community health and, and outpatient clinics, um, became an advanced practice nurse the late 80s, um, and now I work, um, to finish up with John Patton uh, in forensics, and I have a fellowship in wilderness medicine, and um, Work now in integrative medicine and um, hormone replacement. I work between a couple of cardiology clinics and an integrative medicine clinic and work on bioidentical hormone replacement, cardiometabolic disease, endocrine disorders, and sleep medicine. Wow, you sound like a very busy lady, and all of you, I already know you're all very busy ladies from talking with you in the past here. Um, I'd like to go back to Michelle. Um, could you uh, share with us what brought you into nursing in the first place, and then what made you determ- determine that you would go on to advanced practice? So I became a nurse uh, predominantly because it seemed to marry the science aspect and and mathematics and all those things that I was interested in, as well as my mom happens to be a teacher. Uh, And so uh, the education components of being able to help people with health promotion kind of seemed to fit. And so I, uh, as I said, was a nurse for, I've been a nurse for 27 years, but about seven years into it, I realized I was taking care of patients who had complex heart failure who were awaiting heart transplant, and I, as the bedside nurse, was the one constant in their lives. And I realized the entire team was important at that point, you know, but I saw that advanced practice nursing could really be the constant for that population. And so it was really taking care of uh, these handful of heart failure patients who I cared for for long periods of time while they waited heart transplant that that kind of drove me to to this because their attending physicians would rotate every week and while they were all wonderful physicians it it was trying to keep be the glue to keep them together so that's sure. that's why I went to the University of Pennsylvania and did the adult critical care uh, track to take care of them from the inpatient and out and Great. You know, I, I was fortunate that I ended up with adult congenital heart disease then, working in that field for 13 years, and and really was able to do exactly what I just described. Wonderful. And um, Dr. Smart, Dr. Antiqua Smart, could you um, tell us about what brought you to nursing and then brought you to advanced practice? Well, um, actually, I've known I wanted to be a nurse since I was about nine years old. I remember... There were times where I was going to the hospital, uh, whether it was visiting sick loved ones, and there was something that just appealed to me about the role of the nurse. The nurse was the constant factor. The nurse was the individual who knew exactly the ins and outs of what was going on regarding that patient. 
I once thought about a career uh, in medicine or as a physician, um, but I quickly realized um, their role is very different, um, not in a, a bad way um, to say, but the art of nursing, it's an art and it's a science, and so there's that science component, but uh, very much so the caring and humanistic aspect and focusing on the individual that has the disease as opposed to primarily focusing on just the disease process within itself. And so uh, that's kind of really the difference between um, nursing, advanced practice nursing, um, and the medical model, but at least with advanced practice nursing, you're marrying a little bit of both. I realized that I wanted to become a nurse practitioner really when when I was working as a registered nurse um, on the bedside, I primarily worked um, OB, um, GYN settings, and also um, like an ICU and some intermediate uh, neonatal intermediate care units. Uh, but I realized, uh, particularly working night shift, when you knew that there were certain things that needed to be done, you're needing to get in contact with the physician or the resident, whoever may have been on call, and um, you know, they're just. I think that. I realized there was an extension of what I could do as a nurse, and that's what I view it, view being an advanced practice registered nurse as. Um, I'm still, you know, a registered nurse, but I'm able to have the prescriptive authority and to interpret certain labs and to make those decisions that need to be made so that patients can have quicker uh, access to care. So. Yeah, that's great. And Dr. Um, Banish, are you with us yet? Could you talk about what got you into nursing and then into what you're doing now? Well, I I grew up in the country, and my first recollection of who was taking care of people in the country was a rural health doctor. And that was my first exposure to to really primary care. That would come to our farm, the doctors would come to our farm, and I just loved that aspect. I like being in the country and like that one-on-one slower medicine of dealing with people. And so as I segued through my career, first in the foundation of med surge, critical care, cardiac, um, you know, then progressed on into um, community health population and uh, population nursing. Um, taught then at the university level um, between Oklahoma and Detroit at Wayne State and then decided that you know, adding on that nurse practitioner because back in the day back in the 70s it was tough to find just a, a dedicated nurse practitioner program that was an add-on that we did as, as the advanced practice role has evolved um, so, uh, and I'm an education junkie, so one thing leads to another, and when I want to learn something, I usually tend to go to school and find out from the experts. So I just kept adding on degrees and fellowships, and, and it's, uh, you know, back yeah. into, again, integrated medicine, which is sort of slower medicine with people, and looking at everything from a holistic standpoint. That's the best world, Western and complementary right. alternative medicine. Do you think that is the direction that we're, I mean, we've talked about um, uh, one-on-one or or more connection between um, the care provider and the patient and then also with the other providers connecting. Do you see that as what's going to be happening um, as we go forward? 
Do you think that's where medicine is leading, is into more of that integrative medicine? I do. Uh, patients are hungry for this. I don't advertise. People seek me out. In fact, I work in a cardiology clinic where the cardiologist actually came to me and said, look, for our patients who are having disorders of sleep, uh, we can treat the sleep medicine, but how does that relate to their uh, diabetes, their thyroids that are coming in with fatigue? You know, if it's for my, my initial consultation is usually an hour to an hour and a half. A lot of times these people who have... Um, you know, been blown off by the rest of the medical profession. There are people mm-hmm. that have complex health issues. Mm-hmm. They have hormonal problems, cardiometabolic. It's, it's all related. Yeah. So yeah. it takes some time to sort of tease that out. I have patients who like peeling back the layers of an onion. They right. start one place and then we go from there. Michelle, um, could you talk a little bit about how much time do you have with a patient? Um, is it... I know with physicians, they're often double booked every 15 minutes. Is that the same for you, or how does it look for you? No, generally, um, we have a little bit longer. Uh, in the particular community where I am, uh, we, we obviously use EMR, electronic medical records, and so the nurses uh, do a component of intake. So the total time between the nurses taking the intake and me seeing them and closing out the visit, including education. Um, for a new patient, we're fortunate. We can have an hour, um, wow. really. Um, that said, we make every effort, you know, if we, we, we kind of book on the hour and half hour for returns. Um, but I'm constantly adding patients in if they're having <laughs> issues or problems because they mm-hmm. are folks that I'm seeing uh, consistently. And so... You know, I really rely on the nursing staff that work with me, and I constantly am trying to cultivate them to function at the highest level of their scope because, you know, the truly impeccable team is really collaborative. They're doing some teaching. They're anticipating what the patient needs, helping to remind me of guideline-directed therapy, et cetera. Right. Uh, not that we're, right. we're not thinking of that all the time, but that's, that's how we really are moving things forward in the particular clinics where we work. Yeah, I really love that concept, too, of really appreciating each of the members of the team, including it might be the housekeeping, whoever is um, uh, involved in you know cleaning instruments or whatever else. It's amazing to me when I was working um, in an organization uh, how many times it was those people who picked up something first, and then because they had a good relationship with me, they would come and tell me. Right, and I think that as an NP, one thing I just quickly wanted to say is that uh, in hearing everybody else talk about their roles, you know, the nursing staff tends to be a little more willing to come to someone like me because they know I'm a nurse Mm -hmm. and ask their question, or maybe they might think it's, eh, they don't know whether they're, they're a little timid to ask, and so we can be a little more approachable you know, not that not that my physician colleagues aren't. I mean, where I work, yeah. I have wonderful colleagues. Yeah. I think from the patient's perspective, there's something about that nurse that feels more um, uh, like a relationship, a closer relationship or something. Um, we're coming up on a break here, and I think rather than getting into another um, conversation, let's take a break here, and, um, and then we can come back and pick this up again with um, Antiqua. 
So um, we will be back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we're talking about advanced practice. What is it about? Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect how you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margot, featuring host Margot Nielsen. Margot and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, your host, and I'm here today with three advanced practice nurses um, who are eager to talk about this subject. So uh, Michelle Nicholas is uh, practicing in Pennsylvania. Dr. Antiqua Smart is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Dr. Susan Benish is practicing in South Carolina. So um, we were talking to um, Antiqua. Would you talk about what uh, an average visit? We mentioned that uh, doctors often are double booked for every 15 minutes. How much time do you have with a patient? Well, essentially, because I'm in a primary care setting, I actually, my time slots function a lot like uh, my physician colleagues' time slots. So um, for a new patient, I may have a 30-minute time block, and for my established patients, it's still a 15-minute time block. Um, Unfortunately, I am still double-booked. I really only like them to do that if it's a patient that I know I need to see in a week because there's something you know, a little bit more acute going on, and my whole purpose of primary is to keep pa- being in primary care is to keep patients out of the hospital. Um, I will follow a situation a little bit more closely, and I'll tell the staff to intentionally double book. But um, unfortunately, there is some double booking that does occur yeah. that I don't yeah. always 
like. So, um, you know, that was one of the reasons that I, I loved being you, the whole aspect of the nurse practitioner role was that you were supposed to have a little bit more time, but I find that in primary care setting, um, sometimes you don't always have that a lot at times. Right. So, um, Dr. Susan Benish, would you jump in and tell us what your uh, normal uh, visit when you're with a patient, what is that like? Yes. So, initially, when I am with a brand new patient, because we're looking at least at four to five different organ systems, I will have an hour, hour and 15 minute segment okay. with that patient. Um, Initially, they have completed usually about a 170-question questionnaire. Mm -hmm. I have full labs, including detailed thyroid, advanced lipid screens, um, all their hormone labs for testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, LH, FSH. Um, I even am looking at phenylalanine, cortisol levels, um, looking at that on a four-time-a-day basis so that I can see their cortisol curve. And then I have lots for them to look at, and they have lots to discuss uh, in terms of their background, their history, and their symptoms. Because in integrative medicine, we're looking at lab testing, but we're also looking at how are you feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these issues such as fatigue, weight gain, hair loss, are multifactorial. So we have to really look at that entire picture and fix some of these first things uh, before we can move on to the refinement and enhancement of really um, looking at age management in, in, a, in a comprehensive way. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to come back to Michelle, and um, I'm wondering if you could think through, like, uh, if somebody is out there considering advanced practice, what are some of the things you think would be important for them to weigh? Uh, I understand each person is going to be very different, but um, just from your uh, history and experience, what do you think would be the most important things for the nurses to weigh before going into uh, an advanced practice. So I think, you know, looking at the various schools and what they have to offer um, is important, but weighing what they ultimately want to do in the end, obviously a master's degree and a doctorate of nursing practice or a PhD can, can provide you with additional education to do very many different things. Um, for me, becoming the decision to become an advanced practice, as I said, it was sort of seeing the need of somewhere as a bridge between bedside nursing and medicine and being able to to pull everybody together as a team. And so I would recommend being an RN, obviously, first. Uh, and um, having that bachelor's is a requirement for before you get your master's. I really think and believe that I know there are programs that um, afford folks to be able to do it uh, and get their master's or their DNP and not necessarily have a great deal of experience. But for me, that experience that I had at the bedside Mm -hmm. for those seven or so years, six or so years, um, as a critical care nurse and med surge nurse were invaluable because I built upon that knowledge to come to the 
the critical decision making that is needed as a nurse practitioner. Um, now, uh, there's recognition that just like physicians have internships and fellowships, you know, if you're looking at a particular program of a master's or DMP, looking at do they have connection with or, or even have fellowship of kinds of linkages uh, once you do graduate and, and get out. Uh, the reality is that many of us are trained on the job. And mm-hmm. so, you know, being clear about what they need, um, having a mentor, that is absolutely key. And, you know, I, this is just my personal take on it. I just believe that I couldn't have been able to do it online solely if I hadn't been at the bedside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can understand how that would would be a challenge. So, um, Antiqua, can you uh, talk a little bit to that, too? What were some of the things that you think people really need to take into consideration? Having a mentor, that always helps because you're definitely always going to need to be able to kind of segue certain questions or certain issues that may come up along your educational or career journey. But ultimately basically knowing what you want to do in the end, what's the final goal, what's your final objective uh, career-wise. I know that with initially, well, the original nurse practitioner program was actually uh, pediatrics, and that started at the University of Colorado. Um, But um, the family nurse practitioner tract has kind of, the biggest group or largest group are specialties of nurse practitioners. And so a lot of individuals are going into that FNP or family nurse practitioner role because it does cover, like I like to say, from the womb to the tomb, and you are dealing with various uh, organ systems. You're dealing with even sometimes various specialties. However, um, it is more geared toward the outpatient primary care setting. The prevention key or prevention piece is more there. And so if you know that you ultimately want to end up in a specialty, then that is something that you need to think about when you are choosing um, what nurse practitioner, what type of nurse practitioner program that you'd like to ultimately um, enroll into or, um, and also uh, complete and also at the end there's a board certification exam that's the whole purpose of these educational programs is to prepare you to be able to take boards so mm-hmm. I just think that in the, you really need to know your end goal for me I knew I get kind of bored <laughs> so I like variety so if I narrowed uh-huh. myself into one box initially I didn't think that would be the best for me and it, being a family nurse practitioner has allowed me to actually work in so many different specialties and so many mm-hmm. different populations, even over the short period that I've been a nurse practitioner, which is only 11 years. But now that I've kind of been in it for a minute, I've been the Jill of all trades, I kind of really want to specialize or, or hone in or focus my practice a little bit differently. So um, I'm now currently enrolled in a postmaster's psychiatric nurse practitioner program. And so that is an option for nurse practitioners as well. If you go into one area or one specialty, there's always, you know, you can change roles, but I really advocate going and doing the educational program. Um, sure. On-the-job training is great, but I'm finding that a lot of um, organizations are not allowing a lot of on-the-job training anymore. They want you to come prepared. You need to have the education. They expect you to have the training. So that's just something I would recommend. Well, and 
the other piece here is that the Institute of Medicine report and all of that kind of really helps. If, if people haven't read that, they need to read that uh, because that also guides people as far as the, as you were talking, the adult GERO tracks that now have, you know, specializing in population care rather than necessarily one particular acute care, you know, et cetera. Both you and Antiqua mentioned a mentor, and I'm wondering, um, do you choose the mentor? Does the mentor choose you? How do you think about who would you want to have as your mentor? Oh, I'm sorry, Michelle. So a lot of times, you know, I think it's it's a little bit of both um, in that you're trying to you yourself need to really think about that in your own institution, in in your own state, you know, and getting involved in some of the subspecialty organizations, for instance, in cardiology, you know, being involved in the American College of Cardiology like I am, um, we're really trying to emphasize the team-based care and really help mentor other and network with other nurses so that they, if they do have an interest, they have other people across the country, but locally, you know, it's really, I guess, finding that person who can help guide you, advise you, uh, and, you know, who you feel comfortable with going to. So it's sort of like um, dating. (laughs) A little bit, Finding finding that right person. So Antiqua, do you think that's about the same for you as far as uh, choosing a mentor or mentor choosing you? How, How do you find a mentor? Um, it's really very difficult, I find. Um, I I know that because I feel like I've had a difficult time actually finding mentors, and a lot of my um, location of mentors that I have were actually former professors, so it's people that I met along my educational journey that I've kept in contact with or that I can bounce ideas off of, but um, I actually try to give back and be a mentor myself, um, so I, because I have actually taught um, in a undergraduate and a graduate nursing uh, program, I find that from my uh, undergraduate nursing program time, a lot of those students actually still contact me. They still call me. And I find myself being the one that's giving advice <laughs> and questions and writing letters of recommendation and that type of thing. But um, I, being that I'm at a different phase in my career, um, I, I look for, I guess, my mentoring qualities are a little bit different as to what I'm looking for versus someone that would be initially starting out in sure. the uh, advanced practice role journey. Um, so for me, it's finding, probably thinking or looking at somebody that, okay, I'm interested in maybe more of some leadership um opportunities, well, I'm going to uh, try to locate or find um, nurse practitioners that I know are actually leading uh, different aspects um, of, like, patient team leaders, or they may be over various departments um, within their organization, and so it's a matter of me finding mentors um, that way, so 
Um, but I do think it's hard to find the right mentor, um, and it, but it is that your personalities, their personalities have to mesh, and it's somebody that actually, they need to have, you know, the amount of time to actually help to mentor you. If it's somebody that is extremely busy and they're in 50 million different things and you're calling them or trying to contact them and they're never available, then that's not really a mentoring, uh, truly mentor-mentee relationship either. So This is where, though, that different hospital systems from both community and academic centers have developed departments of advanced practice. So if you're in a particular state or you're at a particular institution and you don't have a department of advanced practice, you know, maybe looking around at the surrounding hospitals, um, for instance, these things, you know, we don't have one here, but at Hershey, we created an advanced practice council and then created, there was, there ended up being a department and that's happening across the country now much more. So, uh, looking for those opportunities, and that's where I'm speaking of the fellowships originating from. So you graduate, you go work at an academic center who has a fellowship. You know, my friends at, at Hershey have developed a wonderful ER fellowship for people who are going to work as nurse practitioners in the emergency room and physician assistants, actually, too. Anyway. I can see where this would be really challenging, especially, um, Susan, I'm thinking that you probably, when you started looking at these advanced practice, there probably wasn't a lot of other people to look to. You were kind of the pioneer at that point. Is that true? That that is absolutely the truth. There were not many dedicated nurse practitioner programs um, that have some you know, out in Denver, they were, they're sort of homegrown around the country. Uh, some of them are certificate programs, nine-month programs in pediatrics. So as we have looked at the consensus model and then entry as an advanced practice being now a master's degree um, with a nurse practitioner um, certification program with one of the six different population foci around it, um, that, that really has stabilized some things. And in addition to fellowship, um, finding um, mentors, because it is difficult. I mean, historically, it was physicians that were mentors. And that, depending on what kind of teaching background they had or how interested they were in teaching, um, it is difficult because we are educated differently. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're looking at... Um, you know, more nutrition, more holistic medicine. Um, you know, but one of the things that we're also looking for in addition to fellowship programs is actually graduate nurse residency programs, and those are popping up around the country as well. So okay. similar to a residency program in medicine, we're looking at residents in advanced practice nursing. So if people are out there looking at that, you can, you can just Google that and find some of those. And aligning yourself with either a fellowship or residency program at the advanced practice level that gives you a a body of knowledge, a body of colleagues, um, forums that you can that you can link with. Well, it's curriculum thank, after. Thank you, uh, Michelle. I have to, we have to go to a break, so hold that thought. Okay. Um, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm here with Michelle Nicholas from Pennsylvania, uh, Dr. Antiqua Smart from Louisiana, and Dr. Susan Benish from um, 
South Carolina, and they are all advanced practice nurses. We'll be back in just a few minutes and uh, pick up our conversation from there. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect how you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margot, featuring host Margot Nielsen. Margot and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. This is Leanne Meyer. I'm your host for Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And today we're talking about advanced practice nursing. What is it all about? I have three advanced practice nurses who are here with me today. Uh, Michelle Nicholas from Pennsylvania, Dr. Antiqua Smart from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Dr. Susan Benish from South Carolina. So, Michelle, you were just talking, and, and the question I wanted to ask is, who is deciding what the curriculum is going to be across the country, or is it just some kind of an individual area basis that is deciding? No, so... So with the, um, and the two other speakers here are, are both faculty at other locations, they can probably address this as well, but the American Colleges of Nursing, American Association of Colleges of Nursing, um, and then with the Institute of Medicine report on nursing, really have kind of driven um, the, the guidelines for accreditation of these various programs, and so... So there are much more standardized components. What I was trying to kind of chime in a little bit and, and agree with Susan is that the curriculum component, just like there were residencies developed for RNs, the recognition now is coming that we can't just have on-the-job training. We really do need to have people have a residency or a fellowship, that's whatever you call it, um, in advanced practice. Okay. Thank you. And uh, Antiqua, could you um, talk about 
for you in Baton Rouge? Is there um, uh, how and where do you connect to be able to know, especially as you're being a teacher, is there some sort of curriculum that's out there for you to use or how do you, how do you know uh, which direction you're going? Well, essentially, um, just to piggyback off what Michelle said, it, it is the actual uh, American Association of Colleges of Nursing, along with the uh, Institute of Medicine report um, on nursing, that have uh, created what's called a uh, advanced practice registered nurse consensus model. And so from that model, you have the uh, population-based specialty. So there's the adult gerontology nurse practitioner tract, there is the family nurse practitioner tract. Um, with that adult um, gerontology tract, though, there is now, you're either acute care or your primary care. So you would choose to be an adult gerontology acute care nurse practitioner or an adult gerontology primary care nurse practitioner. The same thing with the pediatric. It's either a pediatric acute care nurse practitioner or a pediatric primary care nurse practitioner. Uh, The family nurse practitioner is just a family nurse practitioner. It's primary care based. Um, And there is also still the neonatal nurse practitioner. These are the um, nurse practitioners that primarily work in the neonatal intensive care unit with the very sick babies. Um, okay. And so, based from those, oh, and one more, the psychiatric uh, mental health nurse practitioner um, uh, model or tract. And so, based from the, those three, uh, all of those uh, different models or the population foci, um, then you have the curriculums. The, the um, American Association of Colleges of Nursing, along with the Commission um, on Collegiate Nursing Education, um, or the CCNE, uh, these are the accrediting bodies that uh, basically monitor what's going on with all schools of nursing. And so it's really based on what the CNE, uh, CCNE objectives and guidelines, that's how uh, each program, um, each college of nursing uh, or each school of nursing is going to develop their curriculum. Um, there are, so that whether that's on an undergraduate level or whether that's, of course, in this instance, uh, the advanced practice uh, registered nursing level. And so that's really, it's, it's really standard. So it doesn't really matter at this, now. Uh, that used to be different. But at this point, everybody, your entry level to become a nurse practitioner has to be a master's degree. Um, there are now the advent of the BSN to DMP programs or doctor of nursing practice programs. That was not around when I first started, but um, I mean, my reason for going back and actually obtaining my doctor of nursing practice degree was, uh, number one, I knew that I actually wanted to educate um, future uh, nurse practitioners, but then also to be able to um, take it a step further and be that, that critical change agent and to use research that's out there um, to incorporate in practice and make improvements, um, whether that's on a, you know, just a departmental level or within your organization or within, you know, with patients, um, certain uh-huh. patient populations. So. Sure. And if people sure. who are listening want to look up things, you know, the APRN consensus model actually is out there. There's, it's from the, the National Council of the State Boards of Nursing, and then you can see the, all the various organizations that have endorsed this. So it's, it's uh, thankfully we've moved ahead from, you know, when when Susan, <laughs> you were going to school, right? Um, it, we've we've kind of been able to 
push things forward, but I guess the message is there still needs to be continued advocacy for what the needs of this advanced practice group need. This uh, might lead into um, wh- what do you see, where is healthcare going from here? Where, where do you see healthcare going and um, how do you see the nurse's role um, continuing? Do you see it staying at many levels or um, I, I guess I'm not asking the question very, very clearly, but Michelle, do you know what I mean? What, where do you see healthcare going and what is going to be the nurse's role in the future? Well, I think, you know, in cardiology at least, um, and the evolution of even how the physicians are thinking about things. The one great thing about the American College of Cardiology is that they're really emphasizing team-based care and recognizing there's there's actually some consensus statements that we've written as nurses of the organization along with the physicians to really advocate for what is team care. And it's not that, you know, the old way of assuming that one profession has to be the leader is not always as beneficial to the patient, right? Um, and so now, sort of as we're moving forward and, and a younger generation is coming a little more into influence, there really is this sense of respect and trust of their colleagues and the RN at the bedside. I mean, you know, the message to the RNs at the bedside is we, we need RNs at the bedside. We need expert RNs. It's not that everybody's going to be in, all, in an advanced practice role necessarily, um, and I value my RN colleagues, uh, and, and we need them because they're the eyes and ears. And it takes a nurse to save your life, right? I mean, why do people come into the hospital? It's not because they need the, the diagnosis per se um, made. It's really the driving factor. I mean, it is. But, but the driving factor that drives them to the emergency room is now they cannot take care of themselves. Right. And who takes care of them? It's right. the nurse. And so, but that critical thinking and being able to integrate RNs, NPs, PharmDs, social workers, care managers, everybody has a different eye and different lens that they're looking through, I guess, on the patient. And so if we're all focusing on that, we can all bring our best game to the patient. And different people are going to recognize different things. So I, I guess I'm hopeful for the future that that team, we have to figure out how to, just like business has figured out how to critically communicate with one another on tough issues, we have to do the same thing. And I think that's where our organizations also have to go of how do we help teams to, yeah. to be able to become that impeccable team? And Tiqua, that kind of leads into another question of how is that happening? I'm, I'm guessing that, um, uh, you know, if you're on a board or you're on a, a group that's making some decisions about how the whole group will work together. Um, I'm curious, how many are nurses? How many are women? Um, is your voice being heard? Antiqua? Well, for me, and particularly because I've been in a primary care setting and most individuals that are going to probably select the family nurse practitioner specialization, you're really not always working with a major organization. You could be working, um, you're kind of already in your individual silo. You may be working with an actual physician. You may be working in a nurse-managed clinic. Um, And so because I've kind of had experiences where... um, it's just kind of either we're, we're the only nurses, uh, so it's usually predominantly women. Um, 
it's harder for me to kind of speak from that perspective. Um, I do know that uh, within, uh, as far as our board members on the uh, Louisiana State Board of Nursing, uh, it's primarily women. There is, though, uh, one male. Um, I think we also have a, a physician that is uh, kind of a board member as well. Um, but um, I, I do think that, you know, um, having that variety there and more of the interdisciplinary approach is what's needed because it's ultimately about the patient. Every, everything kind of became divided and everybody's in their silos, but um, in order to make everything work, um, and even with the whole, uh, there's a kind of a primary um, a primary care, like a, a nursing home model, centered home model, that even though my patients may be going to different hospitals, which are their own entities and organizations, I'm, they're still responsible for contacting me. I still have to get records and find out, you know, what actually went on when they were there. So there still is, um, with the patient-centered home model, there is still, there, there's still that um, method of trying to still get everybody all on the same page that is a part of the care for that patient. So, so um, it still it's comes all down important to excellent how we're going to do it. I'm not sure. I think we're working on it. It's happening, but yeah. um, I think it starts in the educational programs. If more educational programs included that, then, you know, you're going to have new graduates from whichever uh, discipline of medicine. They're already going to know how that works, so they won't be like us. Okay. You're not, they won't be inventing the wheel that you've already invented. Exactly. Um, so, Susan, is there anything on that subject of communication between um, doctors and nurses and um, different fields and all of that? What are we doing? What, what do you know that we're doing about that? Well, a few things I, I see happening. Uh, number one, because I've just been a nurse a long time, is that we are, to, 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 to Michelle's point, um, becoming more valued. And I think that that is because nurses have more education, master's degrees, doctorate nursing practice, PhDs. There are now more than 350 different specialties in nursing. So AMCC is dealing with this, and some of the specialty organizations, so Association of Nurse Executives, International Association of Forensic Nurses, some of them have their own specialties. Um, So there are more than 350 of these now with specialized knowledge. As I was reading one of the articles, because that's what I do for fun, is just read science and articles. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's a <laughs> I'm such a geek. And but the half-life of information in our profession is now 18 months. That means what we know today doubles or will double in 18 months. So we have got to be looking at specialties, uh, certifications, and advanced knowledge. Um, I think, I think one of the things that we're looking at, and I teach for Purdue Global uh, in the School of Nursing, is you know, looking at that conflict resolution model. And that's what I teach in one of my classes, and looking at those 12 steps for conflict resolution. And one of the first things that you start out at is saying, you know, what's a goal? What's a win-win? You know, placing the patient uh, as at the center of that and, and really getting people to come to consensus. And it does a couple of things. They can help you smooth over 
um, conflict. And there are 12 steps to this. It's great. Um, it can also let you know when it's like, look, I'm not a change agent here. Um, this person doesn't value me. I need to get somebody else in there. And just as adults and mature professionals, we need to understand that sometimes people just get allergic to each other and, you know, maybe not the best communicators. So step aside, we'll get somebody else, you know, on that committee um, mm-hmm. to say, you know, we need, we need this person to come to the table for a consensus. So I, I see that, you know, twofold. We're more educated, more, more certification, more valued, and we still have to deal with that conflict of all the many different professions and specialties. But nurses have been doing that for years, and that's it's kind of a stock in trade. So but it's also um, teaching the physicians Michelle, that. In, uh, we just have about um, two minutes left, and is there one thing you'd like to state before we, we get off in 30 seconds? Something you'd like to tell nurses? I just like to quick say that you know it's a wonderful profession. I'm blessed to be part of it, and you know we have so much to offer: save lives, empower lives, prevent disease. And none of us should ever forget that we have the power to make the difference. Uh, and um, find somebody out there who can be your mentor and lift you up and help you do exactly okay. that. And- Antiqua, in about 30 seconds, can, do you have a, a final message? Um, basically, you know, I love nursing. Uh, I think nursing is a wonderful, noble profession. If you love helping people, you love the health sciences, then it's definitely a career choice for you. So, you know, and of course it's varied, so there's so many different things you can do as well. So that's the wonderful okay. thing about it. And Susan, I just have about 10 seconds. Antiqua's point, it is a profession that can really grow with you as you gain skills, gain knowledge, grow as a person, and you can follow your interests. Um, you can follow your specialty and, and follow those patients. Uh, so it's something that you know, is ever-changing as you go through a career, a lifetime now, of being a nurse. Yes. Thank you all. This has been absolutely wonderful. And, um, this has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And we're kind of looking um, at both what has been building and what seems to be going forward. We're much more education for nurses and therefore much more respect from other fields. So, Um, I have been talking today with Michelle Nicholas from Pennsylvania, Dr. Antiqua Smart from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Dr. Susan Benish from South Carolina. And I just want to thank you so much. This has been very interesting for me, too, and I'm sure for other people who have been thinking about this topic and not really knowing who to talk to about it. So you have been extremely beneficial in being able to help us um, help the people out there. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.